real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is May 29th, 2020. And like I said, June, July, and August, you will be pulling your hair. You will be wondering, how are they getting away with this? But there is one solution. One, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, there is one solution, but I thought I'd start today's show off with a song that is um, quite fitting. I've played it before on air. Uh, due to creepy reasons is why I played it. And maybe that was a time overlap for when it was necessary. Please enjoy this um, very, very old song. Mm. Don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your heart In my heart I have but one desire And that one is you No other will do I've lost all ambition For worldly acclaim I just want to be the one you love And with your admission That you feel the same I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of, believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire, I just want to start a flame in your heart. I don't want to set the world on fire, honey. I love you too much. I just want to start a great big flame down in your heart. You see, way down inside of me, darling, I have only one so you know what's really weird is that during an interview that has now been pulled from YouTube and I wasn't quick enough to download it because I was at the hairdressers getting a haircut yesterday, one of the protesters actually said, I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to set fire to your heart. And immediately I was like, wait a minute, heard that before. And that protester actually had an earpiece, just like the one that everyone got a picture of to put onto Twitter. That has been removed. They are removing videos and footage because it's all a setup. It has all been paid for. It is all being allowed to perpetuate. I mean, bottom line is, why is the fire department standing down when police stations are being set on fire? Why is the fire department standing down while they are torching the place? They are burning the place down. This makes, you know, Michigan Flint look like child's play. And the thing is, in the era where we have an amazing president, how is this happening? Because we haven't done the one thing that is necessary. 
one thing that we will all come to understand is the root of everything. We've said, follow the money. I think it's time to make a declaration. And actually, I have written up a partial declaration that I will read to you later. But for now, I want you guys to listen to what Tucker, how he broke down, how Minneapolis is bracing for another night of violence. Oh, this is going to perpetuate as long as they can. Yes, the National Guard is there. But let us not forget that it was the National Guard that we deployed to the Ukraine to cause the same things, the same fires, the same protests in Ukraine. We did that. This is textbook. This is IIA. And I want to say something. I'm sorry. If I knew that all the strategies that I was putting together all those years to supposedly help us in strategy of eliminating our enemies, you know, I didn't build the software. I didn't. But I was the brains behind the idea of what we wanted it to do. And I'm sorry, because those were supposed to be weapons for our enemies. You know, it seems like all of us are constantly apologizing. You know, we had that done in the 80s, 90s by Bill Binney, who said, I'm sorry, I created it. So Cold War and they're using it against us. How many of us are out there that have contributed to, to the same weapons that they're using against us? It breaks my heart that this is happening. That the, and, and you know what? All of them should be ashamed that they're using weapons that we created to protect our nation against our very nation. And the media sits by and watches it. I mean, yesterday I even stumbled upon something called NBC Black. I kid you not. Their verified Twitter handle is NBCBLK. They have a special NBC channel. Comcast has a special NBC channel for black people. I kid you not. And there they are posing in front of a raging fire saying, well, this protest isn't so violent. Tell that to the people that are losing their businesses. Or how about when the news anchors were inside a small business owned by a black small business owner and thugs came in to raid his safe. They were, they were taping it. They were taping it taping, taping that they, the person was still being looted and the guy was crying. This was my business. I poured everything into this bar and here they come for more. I'm coming for the guy's safe. And all you have is a, why are you trying to get the safe? Are you kidding? Then we had CNN stage. Oh, our black reporter was arrested, but not our white wound. Kind of looks like Brian Seller trying to cry. Looks like the fake Chris Cuomo. Oh my God, coronavirus. Oh my God, hydroxychloroquine is so bad, but he was taking it. You know, these are all the things that we're seeing and we're like, how are they getting away with this? They have pictures of people posing in front of the fire saying protesters. They're not protesters. They're agitators. It is pure insanity, pure insanity coverage from Minneapolis today about what happened last night. You know perfectly well that what's happening on the streets there, no matter what it may look like, is actually a quest for justice. It's a long overdue search for answers by legitimately frustrated protesters who, if we're going to be honest about it, have been oppressed for so long they can no longer stand idle. What you're seeing in Minneapolis is democracy in its purest form. Effectively, it's a political rally. Here was a representative seen last night. 
This is literally the craziest stuff I've ever seen right now. This is Target right now. Now, wait a second, you may be thinking. That didn't look like a political rally. Those people look like looters. They were smashing cash registers with hammers to steal other people's money. Well, yes, technically they were doing that. And yes, as a factual matter, they were smashing the cash registers because they had already stolen everything else in the store. So no, it doesn't look like conventional political activism. But before you judge them, keep in mind, it could have been far worse. It's not like they were doing something immoral, like protesting Gretchen Whitmer's coronavirus lockdowns in Michigan. That would have been a different story. Black people's right to protest is secondary to white people's right to be in armed protest with long guns, terrifying looking war weapons. This is how the protest of Floyd's death ended up. Police in riot gear flooding the streets with tear grass and shooting rubber bullets into the crowd. Huh. Another example of how this pandemic has been a kind of black light exposing all the inequalities in American life. That's the meme that's going around right now with the cops, with the black kid on the ground saying hello to the white guy in camo with the AK-47 and the mask who was protesting in Michigan. That when it's white people with guns and they're out and they're angry and their faces with cops. Didn't see any of that. Everybody's civil. It's as if some people are accorded the rights of citizenship and other folks are just expected to be obedient. These folk ended up in the state capitol, Craig, with automatic weapons. And they were treated with kid gloves. Oh, you see, it's not at all like those fascists in Michigan. In Minneapolis, there's a reason people doing it. A legitimate reason. Even the cash register smashers, they were civilly smashing the cash register. So relax. And by the way, the cash registers deserved it anyway. As Joy Reid suggests on MSNBC, they're probably European cash registers and therefore complicit in oppression. Europeans came to this country to get away from being subjects of the kings in Europe. But what they did was they created for themselves sort of a kingdom, every man a king. But the subjects are black people, these armed white men who can get armed up and walk into a state capital. And that's OK. And the police are benign. They don't even act afraid. But let black people show up and protest the death of an innocent black man, and suddenly, you know what, we need tear gas. we got to go full force. Charlottesville, the same thing. The police were there to protect the people who were marching as neo-Nazis, not to protect the black people. So who watches Joy Reid, you may be wondering? Well, it turns out the people who run Minneapolis apparently watch Joy Reid. As their city crumbled around them, local leaders huddled in deliberation. They emerged with a plan. They declared that racism is, quote, a national emergency. CNN immediately trumpeted the development as if it were breaking news. Meanwhile, mobs in downtown Minneapolis kept looting. Stores kept burning. Normal people of all colors huddled indoors, terrified. No one bothered to explain how any of this was connected. How exactly does racism have anything to do with looting ATM machines or stealing PlayStations from Target? It's confusing. What we do know is that riots are now acceptable because racism is a national emergency. That's the new standard. Okay, so now that we're in a state of national emergency, the question is, what is not acceptable? 
Okay. And let's remember how this all came about. So last week, Joe Biden made the most racist comment there is. You're not black if you don't vote for me. Remember when he said that? So it's like, okay, so your blackness depends on, you know, the color of your skin that is genetically selected for you, right? Uh, you know, is uh, done if you vote for him or not. Uh, you know, <laughs> and suddenly we have racist wars going on. Wait a minute. Yeah, let's take a listen to this. Well, I saw the day that a news report broke, which I was being vetted, and a lot of people on social media, they're not too happy about that. And um, it's because they want your running mate to be a black woman. I don't know if you saw the op-ed in the Washington Post by some of the leading black women voices in this country, and they feel since black women are such a loyal voting block, and black people saved your political life in the primaries this year. They have things they want from you, and one of them is a black woman running mate. What, what do you say to them? What I say to them is that I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. Multiple. So that's one. He pandered to that, right? And then he actually told him that you're not black if you don't vote for me, right? Remember that? That was incredible. And so, you know, since they helped him, how does this work? Listen to this. Thank you so much. That's really our time. I apologize. You can't do that to black media. You I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at six o'clock. Okay. Oh, uh oh, I'm in trouble. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. Cause I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. Did the guy just let that fly over his head? Oh, if it comes down to it, if you have questions about me or Trump, then you ain't black. What? So you're not black if you don't vote for Joe Biden. He said that. That caused outrage. And suddenly we see this happening. Huh? Suddenly we see this. And here's the funny thing. Aside from the racial, you know, you know, now I'm even questioning, did this guy actually die? I mean, did he? Is he dead? Because it's turning up that the cop that actually choked him worked with him, right? <laughs> this is one thing. And maybe they just killed him because why not? We got to make it believable. Uh, then the neighbors of that cop didn't even know he was a cop. How do you not know? Usually cops roll up with their cop cars too, you know? Uh, they actually take them home sometimes. So you never saw him. Nobody knew him. And other neighbors didn't like him. But nobody knew that he was a cop. His next door neighbors, all they do is garden. They're outside. They're retired old people. Never saw him in uniform. Never saw their neighbor exit the house ever in uniform. Totally bizarre. Then we have, you know, all of them with tactical gear. Uh, you know, we have them wearing things that conceal their identity. Uh, busting up places and very specific ones all places that are owned by Soros. You know that Soros owns AutoZone and Target and Bank of America. We can get into the Bank of America later because I've told you how that happened. I told you how I met Soros in 2000 and uh, I facilitated communication and a deal with him to create what is known today as New York Community Bank. Um, but I can get into that later. At another time, this isn't the right time right now. What we have to understand is that this is 
textbook what we, well, what Barack Hussein Obama did in the Ukraine. To put Ukrainians against Ukrainians. To create a civil war for those that were supposedly for Russia and those that were for EU. This is what you have to be paying attention to. The the division that they want to cause. And, and there's one way we can solve this super duper quick. And we're going to be discussing that. But I just want to continue with Tucker's amazing breakdown. What's not okay? Anything? Here's what some of the, quote, protesters were chanting last night in Minneapolis. So you're not going to see that clip. Shoot the white folk. Shoot the white folk. They said shoot the white folk. A lot of them challenged the carefully constructed storyline that our leaders richly profit from. Therefore, those facts must be suppressed. For example, practically every day we're told that white cops are a mortal threat to black men. And some are, obviously. It's what started this whole thing. A black man was killed by the police. It's awful. But what are the national numbers on this? Well, actually, we know the answer. A study from last year found that white police officers were less likely to shoot and kill non-white suspects than non-white police officers were. In any given year, police kill more white suspects, armed and unarmed, than black suspects. And that's a fact, by the way. It's not political propaganda. It's provably true. Yet no one on television will ever say that because that fact threatens the scams they're working Eddie Glau Jr. might be the living embodiment of this phenomenon. If you've ever wondered whether yelling racist at the people you want things from is an effective business plan, Eddie Glau is living proof that indeed it is. By regularly screaming racist, Glau has been able to ride a mediocre academic career all the way to an endowed professorship at Princeton. It's a job with such high pay and so few actual requirements that Glau can dress like a British lord and spend much of his day shuttling by limo between cable news hits. Talk about a sweet gig. As long as Eddie Glaub continues to denounce people as racist, the right people, he can probably keep that job forever. So naturally, Eddie Glaub has no interest in explaining how exactly racism makes people loot Target. It just does, okay? And if you disagree with that premise, you're a racist yourself, so shut up. As Glaub told viewers on MSNBC, it's all about the, quote, context. As human beings' natural inclination when they feel wrong when they feel put upon, when they're living under oppressed conditions, is to lash out. And this is the history of the modern West. It's the history of the world in actual, in some ways. And so part of what we have to do is try to understand the context that led to what happened. Oh, the context. And squint your eyes, you said, the context. Of course, there's a context to setting fire to McDonald's, says Professor Gloud. It's interesting. So you've got to wonder, how would Eddie Gloud Jr. respond if something like this happened to him? If looters descended on his house, would Glaude gently describe them as protesters as they made off with his Hermes necktie collection? If thugs with bandanas on their faces smashed the windshield of his BMW with rocks, would Eddie Glaude call the police or would calling the police be racist? Just how long, in other words, could Eddie Glaude maintain his fraudulent racial justice shtick in the face of the kind of violence that he routinely excuses on television? We're thinking not very long. That's just a guess. Let's hope Eddie Gloud is never tested on that, certainly anytime soon. Let's hope none of us are tested. The problem with outbreaks of mob violence is you really have no idea where they're going next. You can't know. Sometimes they subside. Often they metastasize. They are unpredictable and they are mortally dangerous. And that's why you don't encourage them. In St. Paul, signs have appeared in store windows announcing this is a black-owned business. 
In other words, we're the right skin color, spare us. What does that tell you? Imagine if you saw a sign saying white-owned business in Windows. You would be horrified, and you should be. You'd know it was a race riot. We've had a lot of those in this country through the years, and there is nothing worse than that. But Minneapolis has decided to just let their riot happen and damn the consequences. Watch the city's police chief explain why he doesn't plan to do anything at all to stop rioters. So what do you do when your computer crashes and all those memories you've been storing for years are wiped out? This is what you do. Watch. So right here, I have my pictures folder. And as you can see, there's just a ridiculous amount of pictures in here. I mean, I don't even... I'm not even sure. It seems like every time I look in here, I find pictures that I just haven't seen forever. I didn't even know where they were like this. I mean, I haven't seen that picture of my son. He is 16 years old now. <laughs> look at this. So, I mean, if I were going to try and save all these pictures. So what you're saying is it's, it's too dangerous for police to directly confront the looters. So you've made the decision to maybe let that site go for now and focus on keeping the rest of the neighborhood as safe as possible. Absolutely. Our, our officers are, are being, uh, have been uh, through several hours here, um, Molotov cocktails thrown at them, uh, rocks and other projectiles. And so obviously their, their safety is, is, is paramount. And so uh, I don't want them going into a, an area where uh, they're at risk of harm themselves. Obviously, the safety of officers is paramount, announces the chief. The interviewer says nothing. But in fact, that's not at all obvious. In fact, it's perfectly backward. Society's first concern is the safety of citizens, especially the weakest citizens. That's why we have police in the first place, to protect people who cannot protect themselves, the public. Not everyone wants to do that job, and that's fine. Do something else. But we can't allow this. Imagine if the Secret Service adopted the same attitude. Sorry, can't protect the president today. Too risky. How about the military? You know, that's incredible, isn't it, right? The fact that they even said that out loud. Oh, that place is done for. We're just going to let it burn. And we're going to focus on other places. I mean, are you going to see these riots move over to their houses, to their businesses? That's the question. It's horrible. We'd love to repel the invasion, but unfortunately, we might get hurt. Our apologies. Things would fall apart. Things are falling apart in Minneapolis. And as they collapse, our leadership class seems thrilled. They're doing nothing to calm racial division. In fact, they're eagerly stoking it. The New York Times ran a piece just this morning with the title, How White Women Use Themselves as Instruments of Terror. The subhead read this way, quote, There are too many noosed necks, charred bodies, and drowned souls for them to deny knowing precisely what they are doing. Wait a second them? What they are doing? Keep in mind, this didn't run in Louis Farrakhan's Free Weekly. This was the New York Times, this country's most important newspaper, the high temple of American liberalism. The New York Times is telling you that every single person of a certain color and sex has a hand in genocide. They are stained by blood guilt. They are murderers, every one of them. What do you do to murderers? You know the answer. It's hard to believe our leaders are actually talking like this, but they are a lot and loudly. And if they keep it up, things will not end well. And yet they show no signs of slowing down. In fact, they're beefing it up. They're double. They're, they're going double down on this and the city is on fire. But this is what happens when you vote for people like that to run your city. This is exactly what happens. You get what you vote for. This is why your vote is so 
important, so important. But there is one solution our president can do to fix this and more instantly, instantly. And you know what? It's actually taking a playbook out of Russia. I think Russia did this a couple a couple years ago. So we're going to discuss that. But first, we need to take a look at how the media is pushing this. Watch as two of CNN's leading lights get to the bottom of the national emergency we're living through. They've discovered who's responsible for it. 100% responsible. They know who's guilty. Here's a hint. It's an entire racial group. It is not incumbent upon black people to stop racism, to stop this. It is incumbent upon people who hold the power in this society to help to do that, to do the heavy lifting. And guess who that is? Who is that, Chris? White people. Of course. Of course. The funny thing is, as we often point out, these are the very same people who claim they're fighting your racism. Okay. But the problem is much bigger this time than mere hypocrisy. We're very used to that. This problem is far more ominous. Here it is in three sentences. There are 320 million of us in this country. A lot of us are very different from one another, yet we all have to live together. In fact, most of us want to live together. But suddenly our leaders are making that dangerously difficult. Yeah, they want us to be divided because divided we fall, united we stand. That's the way it is. That is the way it is. And the more they push, the more it is. You know, I guess maybe this uh, burning of the city will turn out to flatten the curve too, right? Because nobody's social distancing or maybe setting the city on fire will burn the virus out of the atmosphere, right? You know, this is ridiculous. I'll see you guys in just a bit. Forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? 
You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So I'm going to tweet out my show um, for my second hour, which is going to be very important because I'm going to read to you the simple solution we have to all this chaos. And I think you guys are going to be getting it soon. Remember, the person that supposedly killed um, uh, George is, is still walking around, yet people that are so dumb that went and, uh, you know, uh, went on this riot and started looting businesses. Right. And started doing looting businesses with no gloves, perfectly faced out. They even pulled up their cars to load from Target are supposedly getting uh, arrested for burglary. Now, I want you guys to listen to Ingram and how her spin was on this, you know, uh, because, you know, people were actually throwing, you know, they were this is gaslighting people that are ignorant. I'll tell you what. Yes. Every single time I drive around, I I kid you not. Every single time I have Trump sticker on my car. There is not a time that, uh, you know, that I drive that I don't get honked at with middle fingers, right? Middle fingers from, you know, the usual suspects, the ignorance, the ignorant people, the insanely ignorant people that will attack you just for that. I mean, I know my youngest daughter gets harassed all the time for, you know, supporting the president, just, you know, being out there and talking about things they should care about. They're like, oh my gosh, you vote for Trump. First of all, little kids, you're 14, you can't vote. So there's ignorant comment number one. And you know what you have to think is like, who raises these people? The people that are, that are writing right now, who raised them? Because if I was their parents, I would be completely embarrassed that my children would end up lighting things on fire, breaking things, stealing things to prove a point. That's not how you prove a point. There's a difference between a protest and a riot. And the fact that the media is trying to make this sound like it's their right to burn the city down is ridiculous. And the fact that we see Ilhan Omar, I wonder if she was there, because we do know that her daughter actually promoted and incited the violence violence against one of the police precincts. She did it on Twitter unapologetically because what did she say? She was empathetic. You know what? 
if the governor of Minnesota is to declare a uh, national emergency, whatever, not national, like a state emergency, we should give him zero dollars, zero, zero dollars. They deserve no money. They should go broke because remember, they have a governor that stands with the looting, a mayor that apologized for the death, but won't arrest them. And not only this, their own attorney yesterday and the FBI person that's local. And I've said this again, the local FBI in Minnesota is corrupt beyond belief. We need to make sure that we get people in from D.C. because two people that I know of that are there are farm graduates and highly specific to everything. One of them actually hangs out with Jaylani a lot. So for those of you that are in intelligence listening right now to find that tidbit, that's a very important tidbit right there that he is, that, 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 ooh, and I gave away the sex. Well, huh, there we go. Is talking with Jaylani? Why is he colluding with care? These are questions we should be asking. That is the accountability that we should have to purge the swamp. I mean, you remember Keith Ellison posing with the handbook for Antifa, right? Well, let's take a listen to what Laura had to say on this. As far as we can tell, it looks like outrageous and even perhaps murderous behavior by Minneapolis police officers. Another black man in police custody gasping for air, on the ground, defenseless, and then shortly thereafter dead. It's absolutely infuriating and heartbreaking. It's hard for just people to watch it at all. I was thinking today, this, this means a lot of things, but it means that many young African Americans, many of them just starting out in their lives, end up thinking once again that our criminal justice system is not just rigged against them, it's targeting them. Now, President Trump was right to jump on this situation almost immediately, directing the DOJ and FBI to launch a civil rights investigation into the matter. I've asked the attorney general, FBI and the attorney general to take a very strong look and to see what went on, because that was a very, very bad thing that I saw. Let me be really clear here. No one in America should feel like he or she is being treated unfairly by law enforcement because of skin color or any other characteristic for that matter. Tolerating anything but equal justice under the law and due process, it's simply unacceptable. You have every absolute right to be angry, to be upset, to be mad, to express your anger. However, you have no right to perpetrate violence and harm on the very communities that you say that you are standing up for. Now, in the year 2020, it's fairly obvious that we need to ensure that there is more protection for civil liberties across the board, for criminal suspects held by authorities, and for protesters, whether they're in Minnesota or in Michigan. Our communities, our constitutional rights, and frankly, our national soul are all at stake here. Yet, as we've seen time and again, what began as peaceful protesting ended up in a very counterproductive and even criminal place. Bad actors threw gasoline on the fire, figuratively and literally, and suddenly... The message of justice for all is not only lost, it's obliterated.
Peaceful protest is good. It advocates our rights and it also calls forth the witnesses that the United States Attorney wants us to come forward. Violence is not. Violence hampers our case. It takes valuable p police resources away from our investigation. And it also harms innocent people who had nothing to do with that. It gets in the way of our work. FBI and, of course, police on the scene trying to quell people's concerns today and answer them. But excusing criminal behavior as somehow justified when it's carried out in response to police brutality or any other abuse only ends up making a bad situation worse because it lowers the bar for everybody. It's frankly patronizing and even demeaning, and it hurts more innocent people in the community in the process. Have we forgotten what happened during the Obama years in Baltimore? While we uh, tried to make sure that they were protected from the cars and the other you know, things that were going on, um, we also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. An outbreak of violence and looting sparked by the death of a man in police custody. Uh, things did take a turn today in Baltimore, and there was many hours today of, of rioting and looting, burning cars. Uh, and tonight the fires can turn, uh, continue uh, in Baltimore. But they had to give space to the rioters. And have we forgotten what happened in Ferguson? Disappointment, frustration, anger. Demonstrators uh, hitting the streets again with protests erupting for a second night in Ferguson. Police are now asking that all protests occur during daylight hours. This after two new shootings overnight, one involving police. Now, the national media swooped in before all the facts were known. Entire city blocks were torched, people's lives ruined, and race relations and crime got worse, not better. In those cases, the police were cleared of wrongdoing, including by the Obama Justice Department in the case of the officer who shot and killed Michael Brown. Now, in the death of George Floyd, we have faith that our judicial system will proceed carefully and smartly. We have to do this right. We have to prove it in a court of law. And I will just point to you the comparison to what happened in Billy in Baltimore in the Gray case. It was a rush to charge. It was a rush to justice. And all of those people were found not guilty. I will not rush justice because justice cannot be rushed. Now, I'm not going to pretend for a millisecond to know what it's like to be a black person in America. I don't. But the only thing I do know is that we all need to do better. We need to love more. We need to respect more. Do better. While the wheels of justice turn in this case, it's important that we also push back against the notion that all police officers can never be trusted or that America just at, you know, at its core is some cauldron boiling over with pure racism and inequality. America isn't hopeless. She's not irredeemable. The overwhelming majority of Americans just want to live in peace. They want to live in harmony with their neighbors of all races and all ethnicities. Most Americans are good people. And most police officers want to help, not hurt. Time and again, we see that the real change agents in America are those who stay in their communities and build them up, not burn them down. Okay. Correct. Now I'm going to tell you something that everybody missed.
So I was trying to see how all of this is being orchestrated. I was trying to see where they had the mishaps. I heard the whole, uh, you know, presser with the, the, the FBI, with the police chief, with the state's attorney, with, 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 with. I heard it all and it boded not too good. Also making mention that there's uh, evidence that no crime happened. I'm going to tell you what the most evident clue that this is a sham uh, was apparent. So from the video of those people that were telling the police, hey, he's dead. Hey, what are you doing? Right. I want you to know. So when the ambulance arrives, a paramedic steps out. Right. Paramedics almost always never wear bulletproof vests. That's number one. Number two, the people that came to take his pulse, you know, did things wrong. So first of all, you secure the neck. Uh, you provide medical attention right there on the floor before you transfer him to the gurney. He was holding his head all waving in the air. Didn't even secure him. Second, in his ankle, he had a gun. <laughs> Paramedics don't carry guns. And he wasn't a paramedic. So uh, why is a, a non-paramedic stepping out? We didn't see one paramedic come out. Not even one paramedic stepped out. Bulletproof vest. What? An ankle weapon, right? Just as you see him. He supposedly checked his pulse, supposedly, and you cannot get a read on his pulse with the other guy's knee in the way. Did not secure his neck. Did not secure his neck and was just holding it, waving around. That is malpractice at finest. So this was a botched cover-up. This is why they demanded all videos from all angles. Three people holding down one man. They never got him handcuffed. Why didn't they handcuff him? Why did he have his knee on him? They wanted to kill him. They killed him and the person that did kill him actually knew him. And I can almost guarantee you that they've probably made his heart stop. So you're going to see that the coroner is going to say that, that there was a heart stop. I guarantee you because it looked like pretty odd that you're on someone's neck and you have your hand in your pocket. Why? <laughs> Why would you stand there with your pocket? Where's your balance? Apparently he was moving and you had to secure him. So why would you put your hand in your pocket? This is all a cover up. And you know, now it's coming out. Oh, Amy Klobuchar failed to prosecute the officer at the center of Floyd's death. Let me tell you something. I got the solution and it's pretty simple. So what we need to do is a simple executive order. And this is how everything's going to stop. You're going to be like, what, Tory, executive order on Minnesota? No, 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 no. Forget that. We're getting an executive order to cut the money flow. Now, George Soros owns all the businesses that were set on fire. And it's not the first time that we see uh, George Soros business in the center of some flag, some incident, something that's occurring. So here's what I would suggest, and I've already put it in an article piece that will be published in, in the next couple of hours. And the example of this executive order would be, by the authority vested in me as president, by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, including the International Emergency Economic Powers Act and the National Emergencies Act of Immigration, Nationality, blah, 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 blah. 
I, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America, in order to take additional steps with respect to the national security and in light of the continued combatant activities on U.S. soil by George Soros and persons affiliated with him, as well as human rights abuses, interference with freedom of expression, including for members of the media and ongoing attempts to undermine the Constitution of the United States, I hereby order. Section 1 would be pretty simple. All property and interests in property of George Soros that are in the United States that hereafter come within the United States or that are hereafter come within the possession and control of any United States person are blocked and may not be transferred, paid, exported, withdrawn, or otherwise dealt with. Simple executive order declaring that George Soros is an enemy of the state will stop all funding and we will confiscate everything he has. This will go down to Target. This will go down to AutoZone. This will go down to Bank of America, New York City Community Bank, the Democrats, all these NGOs. Everything will stop with a simple executive order nominating him as an enemy of our nation. That is the simplest thing we could do. Nominate him as an enemy of our nation. And I dare the Democrats to come out and say that he is not. I dare them to rally up behind George Soros because even their lefties don't like George Soros. Ha. So this is where you get them and you stop them. And you know what? It'll take a couple weeks, but his money is going to dry out and our coffers are going to be fat and healthy. We're going to take everything from him. That's how you fix it. You don't need anything, uh, anything else. Atlantic cancel. You get money from him. You're shut down. Target. You get money from him. You get shut down. You either sell it, get rid of it, or the government owns part of it. You got to figure it out. We'll give you, we'll give you absolutely no time to fix anything. We take it all. And that's it. You cut the money. You take the gravy train. It's over. It's finished. Nobody has any way to do anything. And those sanctions can be superimposed. We can take it. We can write more cryptocurrency sales, etc., And let the company, sca- let them scream. Let Target say, but he owns part of our company. Well, too bad. Let AutoZone say, but he owns part of our, too bad. You can't do business with him. You either pay him his share and get him out. Your board needs to vote him out or you're done. That's the way it goes. That's how you shut it down. You take away their bank, their piggy bank, and all we have to do is label someone we all know is an enemy of our nation. Pretty simple. The State Department will stop funding open society. Why are we still paying the money? Why are we taking Soros money? This is what we have to do. Because, see, Soros' open society orchestrated the whole Ukraine thing. This is textbook. We saw it. They deployed our National Guard. Our National Guard was literally fighting our National Americans were being killed in Ukraine, being put up against each other to make it look like something. Setting fire to embassies. You name it. This is textbook. That's all we have to do. A simple executive order nominating him as an enemy of our nation. That's all he has to do. The president with one signature can fix all of this instantly. Instantly, they will run out of cash. Instantly, they will have nowhere to turn in order to be able to perpetuate their agenda. That is all the president of the United States has to do.
a simple executive order nominating that George Soros, nobody can do business with him. Nobody can have any, he's not allowed to do business here. And that's it. We've decided that we're designating him an enemy of the state. It's pretty simple. What I would love to see the arguments that the Democrats would make for Soros. At that point, you will see them lose every single piece of support that they barely have from these dildo waivers. The minute they're not funding them to protest, there will be no protests. The minute they're not funding or transporting or paying for buses, you won't see this anymore. Because then you'll see that there aren't really that many libtards out there. That even the lefties have a little bit of common sense, some of them, right? Some of them are so far gone with so many years of brainwashing that you can't like, you can't fix that instantly. But the one thing every American can agree on, even if they're left or right, is that George Soros is a monster and just putting out, you know, he turned over Jews to the Nazis. I mean, can't fight with that. He said it himself. He wanted to make money, you know. The fact that he gets heart transplants from how many clones? I'm not even going to get there. How much money is he dumping into everything? How he helped fund, you know, Daniel Jones and this little thing? How many people? Ah, this is all we have to do. You see? Genius, isn't it? Because, you know, unfortunately, I use that noodle between my two, my two ears, right? Those six inches have concocted great strategies to, uh, you know, disarm our enemies and not so much with guns. Right. But you know, this is the maneuver you cut it off. I mean, my specialty was cutting off their funds. That was my specialty. This is why I did so well. I was very good at finding the source of what makes it tick. It's like the Achilles heel, like Samson's hair. All you have to do is do that one thing, one thing, take away their power. And that's money. The minute George Soros has been declared an enemy of our state and that anything he has is now ours and confiscated, that no trades, no businesses are allowed to accept or provide money to him. It's over. Obviously, at that point, uh, Jeff Bezos will be stepping up really high. Speaking of Jeff Bezos, yesterday, Amazon was down for like 15 minutes, right? That's a lot of income. That's almost what, 6.6 billion, someone calculated, uh, that he lost in those 15 minutes. But you know what else Amazon is? Amazon houses all the documents for Congress, the Senate, the White House. You know, they use Amazon servers. So you have to ask yourself, what else was down and why was it down? And at the same time, archive it and, you know, Wayback Machine were down too. What are they scrubbing? I mean, we've archived it all. See, this is where we need to be using that noodle. That space, be th th those full six inches between your ears should be used 100%. What we are seeing happening right now in Minnesota is exactly that. Paid for looting. Paid for, paid for, nothing less, nothing more paid for. They are looting today. They're constantly looting and they've been paid. You know, there was a lady in a wheelchair who got her tushy kicked 
and there she is smiling. And then there's video of her uh, looking like she's stabbing people, like she was asking for it. And it's like you're in a wheelchair. What do you mean you're going to protest? It's obviously not kind. People are breaking in and stealing things. I mean, learn to use your words, right? Uh, isn't that what all the, 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 the soft lefties say? Use your words. Where is it? We have Barack Hussein Obama putting out statements. Oh, I want to share parts of the conversations I've had with friends over the past couple of days. The footage of George Floyd dying face down on the street under the knee of a police officer. The first email is a middle-aged African-American business. And dude, I got to tell you, dude, I got to tell you, that's how he starts it. Uh, the George Floyd incident in Minnesota hurt. I cried when I saw that video. It broke me down. The knee on the neck is a metaphor of how the system so cavalierly holds back black folk down, ignoring the cries for help. People don't care. Truly tragic. Another friend of mine used the powerful song that went viral from 12 year old Kedron Bryant to describe frustrations he was feeling. Oh man, that racial divide is beautiful for him, isn't it? But the small black business owner that watched his business get torched, nobody talks about. The small back black business owner that was in there, and I'm going to play the sound clip for you uh, so you can hear it. He was in there while they were stealing more things. There was, a, there was media in there. Listen to this. Today, we found Corboy Bala, who invested his life savings into opening this sports bar, cleaning up. While our camera was there, looters came back to try to steal his safe. Right, trying to steal the safe. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to work so hard to get you. He's crying. The media's taping a guy trying to get into the safe saying, why are you trying to get in the safe? Are you kidding? This is what they want? Black business owner losing everything. Everything. Yet, no, we're not going to hear about that. We're going to hear about the white people and how you need to shoot white folk, right? It's kind of like the middle fingers I get on the street when they see my, uh, you know, Trump sticker. You know, it's pretty interesting. Where is the body, right? What's going on with the family? Are they going to lawyer up like uh, the widow of Lori Klesudis and the Seth Rich family? Where is the body? It wasn't taken by the paramedics. President Trump, all you need to do is do what you need to do. And that is an executive order designating him, designating George Soros, an enemy of the state. I'll see you guys after this break. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So like I told you a couple weeks ago, I foresaw that June through August, we're going to be pulling our hair up is down, down is up, and purest insanity will ensue. And you're going to be like, how are they getting away with this? I mean, how did everybody miss that no paramedic picked him up? No paramedic, uh, you know, uh, stabilized his neck with a brace, which is standard procedure. Instead, look, he was holding his hand freely 
while his neck was moving, you know, on the gurney. He was already dead. And I could tell you that it's probably not from the neck. It was whatever the other two were doing, uh, you know, to him uh, because they didn't um, put him together. But okay. So what we need to do is simply get a nice executive order claiming that George Soros is an enemy of the state. And first of all, we'll save a lot of money from the deep state department. That's number one. Number two, uh, you know, the Democrats will run dry and we will not see any more riots or coronavirus for that fact anymore. Speaking of coronavirus, not a lot of social distancing happening there. So maybe burning your city will flatten the curve. So this is where we are at in, in a state of pure insanity. We can't even trust, uh, you know, uh, the, the media to do their job. We can't do anything like that. We have protesters burning down police precincts. Take a listen to this, uh, report where House Minority Whip, uh, Rep. Uh, Steve Scalise joins them to talk about that and Twitter strikes again, censoring the president's Minneapolis tweets. All right, a Fox News alert now. Violence escalating overnight in Minneapolis as rioters set the city's third precinct police station on fire in the wake of the death of George Flood. Here to react is House Minority Whip Steve Scalise. Uh, Congressman, welcome back. First, your reaction to this violence, which is not just in Minneapolis. It's spread to various cities across the country. We saw it in Los Angeles last uh, two nights ago, and then there was some unrest in New York uh, and Phoenix. Your reaction? Yeah, Brian, uh, you know, first of all, it was just disturbing watching the video of what happened to George Floyd. We we all mourn his loss, and, and justice needs to be served there. But But just going out and destroying cities is not an answer. Uh, to that, let's push for justice to be served. And, and you see local officials recognizing that this has to be addressed, what happened to George Floyd, and, and let's not tarnish his memory with, with that kind of reaction. So the president tweets out uh, his uh, his unhappiness with how this is being handled by the mayor, says, I'm going to call in the National Guard. Twitter doesn't like what he said. Uh, so they put some disclaimers on there. This hours after he put together an executive order that would rein them in and make them accountable, uh, almost like a publisher instead of a host. What's your reaction to them seem to be targeting the president? Well, it's concerning that the Twitter seems to be picking sides now politically, and, and it seems like they're carrying out a vendetta against the president. Uh, that's not supposed to be their role. They present themselves as a public square. This isn't, you know, just a private company. This is a company that says they are a private square, and yet they're only censoring selectively, it seems like, the thoughts of conservatives and, and high-profile conservatives, including the president. Uh, Twitter really needs to reevaluate what they're trying to do because they're going to they're going to literally force the creation of an alternative that's not going to be censoring and selectively censoring at worst. I find this somewhat intriguing because I know Democrats have complained too more about Facebook than Twitter uh, about the way it's handled because the administration, obviously the campaign was much better at it. Um, uh, so I'm curious to see if they're going to get on board with anything. But meanwhile, let's pivot. Yesterday, Speaker Pelosi decides to cancel a planned uh, vote on FISA uh, because the president made it clear he's going to veto it. Are you against FISA or, or you just want it reformed after the 17 violations pointed out by Michael Horowitz? Well, clearly FISA needs to be reformed because it's well known how it was abused and it was abused by people 
within the Justice Department, the FBI, to try to take down a candidate for president of the United States and Donald Trump. And so there has to be accountability. But look, FISA has been used successfully in the past to track terrorists abroad. It's why the law was created, but it was a very narrow scope and the way it was used uh, was supposed to be uh, in, in, a, in a way that only applied to terrorists or Americans who were abroad fighting with terrorists, not to spy on a candidate for president or people that were working around him. And so uh, the FISA court has to fix their problems internally. Uh, the bill was trying to do some reforms, didn't go far enough, clearly. Uh, but at the same time, there was more work that needed to be done. And then you throw in the fact that there still has been no accountability, Brian. There has to be accountability for those people that abused the FISA court, uh, that did other things illegally within the FBI. Some of those people need to go to jail. And I think once that happens, you'll see an ability to come back together and get this program back on track in a right way with proper guardrails and reforms. But it wasn't ready for prime time. Uh, I'm glad they pulled it. We, we had the votes to kill it. And we worked hard to right. make sure that uh, the bill would have died if it came to the floor. Congressman, only 30 seconds left, but real quick, a lot of people say going after the Russia, the origins of the Russia probe, the Mueller probe, uh, is a distraction in this time when you have a pandemic. What do you say to those critics who say we don't need this distraction now? This reminds me of Hillary Clinton saying, what difference does it make? That's what we're hearing. Well, it might be a distraction to the people who are about to get caught with their hand in the cookie jar. I mean, these are people who literally used the FBI. There were FBI agents, not, not the by and large all of them, but FBI agents who used their position to try to take down a candidate for president of you know, the United States. We all ought to be concerned about it. And they weren't FBI agents, they were CIA. But you know what was funny? It's that I'm seeing now all these, you know, names. You guys know how I feel about Mark Levin. He's a tool, he's a liar, he's an opportunist. I don't care if the president retweets him. He retweeted and told Comey how nice he is. You have to, you, you have to understand that. But I told you that the only way that we could fix this Twitter thing is by bringing on criminal code, didn't I? And I'm so glad that someone listens to Tory Says and puts it on a bigger platform. Thank you, Ted Cruz who I still stand by my statement that he looks like he wears a human suit and is itchy in it. He said that A.G. Barr and Secretary Mnuchin, what did I say? What did I say? Calling for criminal investigation into Twitter, violating U.S. sanctions in Iran, blah, 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 because they're getting money from Qatar and the bad Saudis. So this is where we need to get into it. And that's what we have to do. There, We don't need executive orders. We don't need to take over. We need to take them to jail. We need to prosecute them for be giving comfort to our enemies that's what we have to do that is exactly what that's the only way it's going to work you think spanking them with the civil suits going to fix this what we need is criminal code criminal charges that's all we need and everything gets fixed it's a pretty simple isn't it we have criminal codes let's apply them that's all we have to do let's apply them you're giving comfort to our enemies oh and speaking of enemies, like I said, we we can knock this out super duper quick. George Soros, enemy of the United States in an executive order, confiscating everything he has in the U.S., every single thing. And if it's a business like Target and they're like, oh, he owns half of it, then give him the money that he paid and get out of it because this is the way it is. Or you can't do business. Sorry, Target. We're shutting you down. That's the way it is. We do not deal with enemies of the state. This is how it has to go down. We do this. It's a quick fix. Obviously, it'll take. 60 days, but it's okay. And with Twitter, let's go smacking those criminal charges. You think it's just the tax relief that they get? Uh-uh, uh-uh. You think it's just the shield? And I was so glad 
So glad to hear the president use that because I, I, you know, they use Section 230 as a shield and he said it. They cannot use that shield and be a publisher at the same time. You can't have a shield protecting you when someone's going to defame me on the Internet, on your platform, and then censor other people. You can't do that. You either don't censor or you do. And if you do censor, you're a publisher. And for all you out there saying, oh, my gosh, Zuckerberg was like kissing his tushy. No, Zuckerberg is like, holy crap. Crap, there goes my business. If I don't have Section 230, I'm screwed because everyone's going to be suing me. Everybody and their mother will be suing me. That is exactly what they're thinking about, and they're right to think about it because the next time someone talks smack about me, I don't have to sue them. I just send it to Twitter. And like I said, this is how it's going to go. I send it to Twitter, hey, so-and-so said this about me, and that's not true. Da-da-da-da-da. I'm suing you, even in small claims. I mean, how many small claims are they going to pay? Because if 100 people a day file a small claim to the maximum of their state saying that I was defamed or they cost me this business because they, they allowed this on their platform, you know, at some point they're going to go broke. So what are they going to do? They're going to be banning the people that you complain about and want to file lawsuits about. And then once they're banned, later on they'll find an excuse to ban you too because someone else got a lawsuit about it. And oh, then, then there's no one left on Twitter. And I know everyone's like, oh, the president should just go to parlor and, you know, to Gab and whatnot. Stop. No, no. Even if we go there at some point something's going to happen this is how you fix it you're either 230 or you're not period so this is perfect but at the same time we got to say hey twitter you've got an incentive for censoring the president i mean look iranian you know pre- the, the the president of iran is sitting there the supreme leader the dictator saying jihad is good we should do jihad and you'll be awarded by allah if you die he's putting all that out there <laughs> pushing anti and oh my gosh, I love Rick Grinnell. He's just pointing it out so beautifully. And it's like you're letting him do that, but you're censoring the president, calling thugs thugs and saying with lootings comes the shootings. Yeah, people were already shot. That's what happens. They start getting their weapons out and there we go. Hey, all the Korean roofers, someone, (laughs) I was like the best response I ever got was we need the Korean roofers (laughs) protecting their stuff for real. If I had my small business there, I'd be there with my weapon. You come near my property, you're dead. I am protecting my property. Do we want blood on the streets? No. Then why isn't the city of Minneapolis doing anything? Because they want it to perpetuate. They need this in their life. That's what they're doing. I mean, come on. So we got a lot going on. And this insanity is going to continue throughout the summer you are going to be pulling her hair i mean kiev klobuchar you know oh she never prosecuted him is he really a cop was he really a cop what's really going on who is he obviously not paramedics that's the question not paramedics not paramedics i have to spell that out not paramedics okay we need to remember that when people are talking about george floyd say all right guys Why didn't the paramedics get him? That's not a paramedic. Paramedics don't ankle strap. They don't wear, you know, bulletproof vests. And they don't pick up a patient without a neck brace. (laughs) Those were not paramedics. Not one paramedic came out of that. So 
for them to be asking for all footage from all angles, I say, whoever's listening, whatever footage you see, send it to me. DM it to me on my Tory Says page on Facebook, through Twitter, my email, my website, whatever it is, get it to me. Because I'm telling you, this is beyond anything. That is that is the smoking gun. Forget everything else, the riots, the, the paid operatives. We can fix that by taking care of George Soros. And we need to see that. All of us should be making noise. Please, President Trump, write an executive order that designates George Soros as enemy of the U.S. and confiscate all his property and don't allow any U.S. person to do business with him, period. Then we are finished. I wouldn't be surprised that there's some money from Soros going to Twitter. And I am working on that story because there's like this LLC that he's using as a pass-through in the United States to do that. That's about to get real interesting when that when when I get that information. Because, you know, what's really weird is, is that these DARPA contracts that exist are so difficult to get my hands on. I mean, come on, man, you're using IIA, you know, we're paying for it. Like, why aren't you like letting us see it? Seriously, why aren't you letting us see it? So it's pretty, pretty interesting. I mean, I am so sad that these journalists that are there are doing such a disservice to the people in Minneapolis. I, that's all I have to say. I mean, I have been gutted lately. Like I, I was talking to a friend of mine that's kind of mainstream media and I was like, Hey, you know, you're not really doing any like stuff for your local community. Like you're only following what everybody else is doing. Why don't you like do something? Like, why don't you put on, you know, more of your local candidates that are opposing the, the mainstream? Why aren't you doing this? And you know what I was told? Oh, it's just your ego talking. It's like, how is that my ego when you're not putting on the little voice? Like I was shocked. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like this person I considered my friend and they're open-minded, but yet there we go again with self-preservation, you guys. These people are more worried about having a job than doing what's right. And that's what sucks. This is, this is, this goes back to what, you know, even, um, you know, veteran Bergie has said, and he's been posting. He's spoken to Congress people, people within the highest ranks of conservative media that just wouldn't talk about things that they should have talked about because they're more worried about their job than, than doing their job. And that's really sad because we're seeing it everywhere and it breaks my heart a lot. Now, I just couldn't believe that it was like your ego. So how's my ego involved with you not putting on someone in your vicinity, you know, or writing about them or something about them. How does that have to do with me? It's like, are you trying to psyop the psyop queen? Like this is what I was shocked, but you know, I see it every day. So why, why would I be shocked? I see it every day. These, uh, these media personalities all just go for self-preservation. They don't care about getting the truth out. They're more worried about, well, Will I be able to have, you know, so-and-so, uh, you know, on my radio show or on my TV show, or will I be able to interview him for this article again? That's their concern. And it's like, huh, that's what happens when, when, when you've got interests, you know, cause then, you know, if you're getting advertising sales from XYZ business, you know, or your sponsor for your show or your article or your paper, or whatever is from XYZ business and XYZ business really loves this person. And you're going to be talking about that person, then they won't fund you. And that's what you're thinking of. See, this is why I say journalists should never have interest. It should just be by the people. I mean, you know, the people fund me. 
I have like a handful of subscribers on my subscribe star and they help me rather than me out of pocket, especially now with coronavirus. Uh, they help me pay for my hosting, pay for, um, uh, my time sometimes, like I won't work, you know, so that way I, I, I'm like, okay, I'll just dedicate all of Sunday to work and I won't work this work day because I have to make phone calls or go meet with people or go dark and get some information like the stuff that I've been getting. And I can do that because I'm like, Hey, I would have made this much if I would have gotten, uh, you know, the project allocated to me. Cause you know, it's coronavirus and people aren't getting stopped at the airports anymore. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is, this is, this is how, you know, it's, it's, you're doing what you're doing for the people. I mean, I'm shocked you guys. I'm shocked. The, 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 even, even Fox and even people that I considered my friends are all about self-preservation. And it's so sad. So, so sad. Um, take a listen. Okay. To what, um, Twitter said that the president was glorifying violence. Okay. Take a listen to this. President Trump is tweeting about the violence in Minneapolis, offering military support to the governor if needed. The president also making it clear what happened to George Floyd is unacceptable. I feel very, very badly. It's a very shocking sight, FBI and the attorney general, to take a very strong look and to see what went on, because that was a very very bad thing that I saw. I saw it last night and I didn't like it. Kristen Fisher is live from the White House with more. Kristen. Well, John, President Trump has called this video of a white police officer with his knee on George Floyd's neck shocking. And he's asked the Department of Justice and the FBI to expedite an investigation. But overnight, President Trump put out a tweet implying that all of those looters in Minneapolis could be shot. It is a tweet that is setting off a firestorm of controversy. So I want to go ahead and just read it to you in full. He wrote, quote, these thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd, and I won't let that happen. Just spoke to Governor Tim Waltz and told him that the military is with him all the way, any difficulty, and we will assume control. But when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Thank you. Well, shortly after, Twitter added a warning label to that tweet. They didn't take it down, but in order to view it, you had to read the warning first. And it reads, this tweet violated the Twitter rules about glorifying violence. However, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain accessible. And remember, this comes just one day after President Trump signed an executive order in an effort to limit the legal protections that shield social media companies like Twitter from liability for the content that's posted on their platforms. If it were legal, if it were able to be legally shut down, I would do it. And I'm not just talking about Twitter. Look at Facebook. Look at the tribunal they set up at Facebook. So this feud was already hot, but this morning with that tweet and everything that's going on in Minneapolis, it just got much hotter. In fact, uh, about an hour ago, the president's director of social media, Dan Scavino, he put out a tweet about Twitter that's simply too hot for TV. John? Kristen Fisher at the White House. Kristen, thank you. Hmm. So the president is going to have a press conference today, you guys. Um, uh, and he's going to be talking about this, of course. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be more on the side of, you know, hey, um, you know, what's going on? I just want to hear him say, hey, I'm signing an executive order and I'm going to nominate him as, you know, <laughs> uh, one of the, uh, you know, um, enemies of our state. And so then... Psh- 
everyone's going to go berserk and we're going to watch the Democrats support George Soros. Now, I saw an article and it was DM'd to me um, by a few people. So I thought maybe I could talk about it. But um, the Gateway Pundit, obviously, recycling a few things, added something else that uh, the DNI actually has calls between Seth Rich and WikiLeaks. So apparently, um, Representative Adam Schiff and a bunch of his testimonies related to Russia collusion were a sham um, because after Schiff was pressured by Grinnell uh, at that point, acting director of national intelligence, to release a transcript, one of the transcripts were from CrowdStrike, Sean Henry, who stated under oath that CrowdStrike had no evidence that Russia even exfiltrated the emails from the DNC. We knew that. I mean, I've told you that. I had part of the DNC. Over, like I've said it. So uh, apparently, uh, you know, this uh, Seth Rich story has been claimed to be a conspiracy theory. Uh, you know, it's been claimed to be all these things. But now there's a transcript of a conversation between George Papadopoulos and a confidential informant um, uh, believed to be Steve Halper that was released by the DOJ. And, you know, obviously it confirms that George was being uh, spied upon. So that's one. And then and, uh, you know, there's more. It turns out that the NSA and its partners, you mean <laughs> the one that IG Stork is looking at, intercepted some communications between Seth Rich and WikiLeaks. Ha. Huh. So um, that's pretty interesting. Before elaborating on that, however, okay, this is, this is Ty Clevenger wrote to Rick Grinnell at the DNI and said the following. Before elaborating on that, I should note, to the extent to which the deep state has already tried to cover up information about Mr. Rich, in an October 9, 2018 affidavit submitted in a FOIA, FBI Section Chief David Hardy testified that the FBI did not investigate any matters pertaining to, to Seth Rich, and the FBI was unable to locate any records. Turns out they did. Um, well, today it's now suspected that the CIA had a more prominent role in the fabrication of the Russians hacking the DNC and fingerprints were identified in the purported hacking. Oh, you mean the stuff that I talked about, right? Oh, okay. Oh dear. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Right? So they have been covering all of this up. I kind of said it, but okay. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just me doing my thing right here, but he, here's the thing. What we're going to realize is that the the deep state, the shadow government exists. They're still sitting loyal, very loyal, to Barack Hussein Obama. But it's not Barack Hussein Obama. It takes more money and more people to do so, right? To push for it, right? To get it done, right? It's not just the, the limp-wristed clowns that we have on a local level. And local meaning national within the United States. It's the globalists that are the issue. Now, those globalists are the ones that want to drive the story. On Wednesday, a guy was murdered, right? Staged or not, sacrificed for their reasons, whatever it may be. But it's now Friday and they finally arrested the guy that killed George Floyd. Even though they have been saying, well, there's proof that he didn't do anything wrong. I want to know why he had his hand in his pocket. Okay. I'm just saying I've, I've tried to disable, uh, you know, in combat someone. And I can tell you something. There's no way I'm putting my hand in my pocket so that I can be destabilized with a jolt. So that means that they weren't concerned of being retaliated against, right? So think about it. 
it's now Friday. It's been over 48 hours, and now he gets arrested. And the president has sent his own people and said, I want to look for civil rights. I'm saying that he needs to get a new prosecutor. And I know the U.S. attorney was appointed by President Trump, but so were others. You know, and when they were appointed, he was surrounded by very bad people that were giving him very bad, um, you know, advice. And now we're seeing the left while all of this is going on and they have these riots and everything's being set on fire. And finally, there's people that are claiming that the 25th Amendment should be invoked now because, you know, 45 advocated for shooting unarmed protesters, which is not true. So these are all falsities, uh, you know, falsities and um, a big problem, a big problem and misleading and false information, and they're going to keep pushing it because they want to. I'll see you guys all in a bit. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So like I said um, many, many times before, you know, this is only getting started. This weekend, keep your eyes open, head on a swivel and ears listening to everything uh, because it's in the little details that everything's going to make sense. Uh, so, you know, what you need to remember, what you need to remember is that, uh, you know, everything is done for a reason. And as a time traveler, I'm telling you that the, 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 the timeline has just shifted, uh, and to the better and to put off what is a fixed point in time at some point, if it cannot be eradicated by the so many pushbacks. Now, this is a good thing. Um, pretty big, pre- pretty big headache on that one, but this is a good thing. I want you guys to know that, um, June through August, I need you to just pray and have faith because it does take about 60 days to get things into motion. Um, I'm actually quite flattered that finally people are starting to move in the right direction, even though they're corrupt because obviously they want to get elected, uh, you know, 2024. So I'm pretty glad that um, Ted Cruz brought on the question of criminality. And for me, the criminality of Twitter is to look at their funding, look at what drives them and why they selected the president, not anyone else. I mean, they didn't censor Schiff, who we know the Russia hoax was a hoax. You know, they didn't censor Kathy Griffin, who called out for the murder of the president of the United States, uh, you know, and even doubled down on it and said, yeah, F I did, you know, these are things that are driven by money. Remember it's interest. What I was saying before, uh, we can't trust, I can't trust uh, reporters that get paid by, you know, advertisers, um, that, you know, aren't close to their heart. Like if, for example, I was sponsored by my pillow, for example, I'd be totally fine with that because I know that I align with him. That's why I don't have sponsors because I don't trust that, you know, their sponsorship aligns with my views. I'm not saying like for my pillow, I'm just saying in general. So I'm very picky. That's why I have no sponsors. This is why I'm not making money on my radio show. Okay. Just so you guys know, it's because I want to make sure that nobody can influence me in what I say and what I do. That's key. So we're seeing that influence happen all the time, right? We see it. We all know it. Well, what's to say that, that the same thing isn't happening with Twitter? I mean, bottom line is Jack Dorsey is getting a lot of enemy of the state money and shadow government money. 
So that drives his interest. And this, this is probably why we see him censoring the president, censoring conservatives, censoring anyone that's pro America and not censoring, you know, dictators, child pornographers, you know, because they're putting child pornography on Twitter, like video, embedded video into the platform. Okay. Uh, you know, what else? Uh, calls for murder of the president, promoting jihad, like for comedy, you know, all these things are okay because his money says it's okay. You know, when Qatar says, listen, you need to find excuses to shut people up when they're talking about Trump. You need to shut the president up, embarrass him, do it, do it, do it. (laughs) And this is where you get criminal charges because everything, everybody has a price. You guys, everybody has a price, everybody. And the minute, you know, I, in my life decided I'm not going to let, you know, I, we all love economic stability. Okay. We, let's not lie. But when I said, I'm not going to have that as my driving force and God will provide, Oh God, did he ever, did he ever? And if everyone did that and did what made them happy and just throw it out in there and say, I, I believe I'm doing good. This is making me happy. Help me. Suddenly, you know, you know, evil will fight you. It will pull you down to hell as hard as it can. Because when you try to leave evil shadow, that is exactly what happens. You will be fought like you've never been fought before. But once you've released and stepped out of that pit hole, it's beautiful. Because all you see is good. I mean, you see good first, right? Always. So here we are where you can see pure evil, but you can see a little bit of good. There's a reporter that asked the governor of Minnesota a fabulous question about the riots. So I want to play a little segment of this and I want you guys to laugh with me because the reporter actually had the cojones, the oranges, as as Senator Kennedy would say, um, to say, yo, wait, hold on a second. Um, So you're going to let the riots happen? Aren't you going to enforce your coronavirus stay-at-home order? Like, what's going on here? No more coronavirus because we're burning the city? What's up? Uh, Well, he didn't say it like that, but that's what he was saying. Take a listen to this um, uh, presser. It's it's very telling ways order is to the local police and sheriffs we do not have a built-in police force general jensen is not a police force dps has experts in there but these are not the police force that are on their streets with their people and so that's a decision that uh was made it was in reserve and 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 yes Keeping in mind as this unfolded, the request came from St. Paul for the guard to be activated at 5. I had moved on a warning order earlier than that to be prepared. You're really supposed to wait until you get that and start moving them in. That wasn't going to be possible. So by 5 o'clock yesterday, our guard troops were coming from all over. They were getting activated because of the events that happened the night before, and we were prepared to carry out those missions. And we were, they were, they were there. And as you heard, some of these folks think those missions never came. Yeah, again, as, as it relates to emergency management in Minnesota, county emergency management coordinators do exactly what you just asked. They define what they need and what they want, and then that's negotiated with the state EOC and the Department of Public Safety along with the agency they're asking for. It's not always the National Guard. In this case, it is the National Guard. The reason why it's negotiated with National Guard is to make sure that we have the capability, the 
capability to do the mission that's being asked. So, yes, we are always in support of the local leadership, the, the local civilian leadership. I have no authority to self-deploy the Minnesota National Guard anywhere in the state. I have no authority whatsoever. And so I follow exactly what you laid out. Civilian leadership, civilian elected officials make the request, and then we work with them. Because if I'm not accomplishing their task and their mission, I risk failure of mission. I also risk the, uh, the uh, chance that I might break the law, right? I can't just march my soldiers down into Minneapolis and say, hey, this is what John Jensen believes we need to do. That's not how our government works, and that's not how our military uh, responds and reports to legitimate civilian leadership. And so what you asked is exactly right. That's exactly how it's supposed to work. I think that's a question you'll have to ask Mayor Fry. I, uh, I, I think that the commitment to hold the third was was not one that I felt comfortable with, and it's one we discussed during the day. So that the potential that the third precinct would not be held. That's correct. We were told the same thing from sources, that police in the third precinct were told before noon that they would be evacuating at some point. Essentially, the directive that they felt they were hearing was they would allow it to be taken over and to burn. What is your response to that tactic, given what we saw last night? Well, obviously, that was the, the turning point where we were prepared, and that's where we moved in. That's where we did not believe that the third should be given up, and that's why it's not, and that area was taken back by the force that we put together starting at 1215, um, executed about 340 a.m. Um, I, I simply think that this, I, I'm like all of you watching it, you can't have civil order deteriorate, and then you have to make a calculated decision about does force going in there escalate it? Does it stop it? Does it endanger civilians and the force going in there? And those are decisions, as you heard again, it is it is local police departments is how this works. We are not a police force, the state. We have abilities to come back and backfill. The closest we have to that police force is the state patrol, but that's not their normal. People at risk. Um, why allow it to get to that point? I understand what you're saying, but as people are watching, that's the question they're asking us. Yeah, from 8.30 to 10, that was the decision to go, and it took time to build the force to be able to go, too, because, again, we're seeing it, and there was no definitive answer whether they were going to. And I'm seeing what you were seeing. There were still officers in the 3rd Precinct, at least, I believe, until maybe you can correct me on this, till 9 o'clock or so, maybe 10. Uh, have you considered additional tools, additional powers, curfews, any sort of martial law orders to increase the authority? Of Certainly the all those tools are there. And I, and I think what we'll do is that's what's the planning stage right now. I don't want to take these folks too long from what they're doing. Um, that's what's being done over the last you know, 24 hours as we prepare for this. But once again, the order structure of this, and many of us have been involved in these. I spent 24 years in the National Guard myself. I'm very familiar of how these works. I'm very familiar with General Jensen's asking about when my troops get their mission, they get their mission order, they get a warning order, they know what they're going to need to do. I then, as an enlisted soldier, would start working with my troops to make sure they were packing the proper equipment, check it out, be ready to go, drill through the things we needed to do. Those never came in many cases. So... 
we weren't asked to help, and then if at some point you were, why in this situation wait for the ask to help? Why not take a proactive approach? Well, we are. And again, I think if we'd have seen two days ago, yeah, maybe, maybe yesterday. I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that. I think in any of these things, if you're not if you're not second-guessing and if you're not looking at the decisions were made, you're going about this all wrong. I think the lessons learned, potentially so. But again, at that time, we've got to count on our partners in this as they say things are going. And uh, I'm not sure um, that quick-moving group of anarchists that was moving so quickly. One of the things we said, if you think about this, to prevent this from happening, like at the Super Bowl or the RNC, 18 months of planning went into that. 18 months of planning and prepositioning. 18 months of... Uh, joint powers agreements, 18 months of lining up the materials that were there to make sure all those situations could be there. Because my situation on this is once you lose control like that, I'm deeply concerned that the bad actors, and I want to be very clear, we own this. We own this in Minnesota. But there certainly, as people saw this unfold, the concern was yesterday how many people would make their way here who are simply in that business. So, yeah, I think it's a valid question. I think for me, as I look at that, the point is I have to operate in real space and in real time. And by last evening was the second day we saw it. And from 8.30 or or during the day until 8.30, we did see this in St. Paul. We continued to ask what was happening in St. Paul. The State Patrol was tasked on many of this, and they did stop a lot of that along the target and some of those. That was what was being asked from them. But it happened from about 8.30 at night when the sun went down, when what I saw was the the person breaching the barrier at the third, and then the decision to pull back out of there. So who hasn't asked? i got to make sure I get to everybody. Governor. Dave, in the back. Uh, thank you. Uh, Governor, so it sounds like you are going to allow uh, demonstrations tonight, protests and stuff. These would be in violation of standing orders against congregations of more than 10 people. No, we're not, we're not allowing any of those, and we've said it. I, I think the idea, again, the absurdity in the middle of COVID-19 where we have worked so dang hard as a state to keep people from congregating, if you think you could, but it goes back to this conversation we've had in Minnesota. This takes a social compact of people agreeing to do this. And I want to just say this. Watching what happened to George Floyd had people say, to hell with staying home on that. I'm going out because this can't happen again. The idea that we would go in there and break up those peaceful expressions of grief and rage was ridiculous. The problem was of not having in place with an expectation that a crowd that big over such a volatile issue, we have seen this happen in city after city, whether it was Ferguson, um, whether it was L.A., we, we've seen these things. That was the thing why we started planning, started asking. But again, um, you're, you're seeing holes in planning. That's for darn sure as states and cities and counties on these things start to happen. What's the rules for, for the rest of the day and tonight, then? That's what's being worked on right now. And and we certainly, this is the plan that will be presented to me. I think we want to be prepared to present that to uh, to Minnesotans here by 2 o'clock or so. Um, what I can tell you is a lot of it is going to be the operational things that you would expect to happen that were asked. They will be there. There will be a presence out on, on the quarters. We will start to do that. But I'm going to ask again. I need to ask Minnesotans, those in pain and those who feel like justice has not been served yet, you need to help us create this space so that that justice will be served, and it's my expectation that it'll be swift and that we're able to maintain that order. And so that plan will start to happen today, and it will include, we will think of all the tools that are there. I want to come back to that again. The more of those things you use, the more those are viewed as the oppressive things that led to much of this in the first place. What we're trying to separate is the lawful First Amendment aggrieved 
citizens who Ha. Huh. So, you know, coronavirus takes a back seat when you're lawful First Amendment, but it only counts in Minnesota, not in Michigan, when they felt oppressed, when their governor decided that her husband can take the boat out, but nobody else was allowed to. When they were told, if you step out of your house, you're getting arrested, right? That's, uh, th- so you're okay if a black person is killed, right? Uh, then you're allowed to be on the street and forget coronavirus. But if you're fighting for your right to be able to open up your business, to, you know, go outside and stretch your legs or go to the gym, uh, you're not allowed. (laughs) You need to express that from the folks who are clearly I'm telling you what the farthest thing from people's on their minds is they're burning down a family owned store at 3 a.m. on Lake Street was George Floyd. And, And that's what we've got to get at. Well, I'm candidly, I, I don't think this is a secret to anybody that um, the tension between the Minneapolis Police Department and many of their communities is is a pretty well-known thing. And, and I am certainly, I, I don't know any way to express it other than that they had lost faith in them um, and, and felt that they were part of the problems. And certainly um, seeing a uniformed Minneapolis police officer's knee on George Floyd's neck on Monday pretty much tells you where the public is thinking towards that. So I, I don't think you could think it was a mistake of, of who was leading that down there and that it changed the tone that was there. So I am concerned. I, I think it would be disingenuous. I know this is painful. This is hard. There is going to be recriminations. There's going to be going back and looking at this as there should be. My top priority now is the immediate security to make sure that what happened the last 48 hours does not happen tonight. The state of Minnesota has assumed that responsibility. I don't think it's going to be easy because this whole whack-a-mole thing, and these folks are really good at what they were trying to do on causing destruction, the way we're able to stop it is employ these tools with the support of the public to make sure we isolate these folks. And, and again, as, as Commissioner Harrington said, the idea that you think you can firebomb a building and not be arrested and spend serious time in jail, I understand that. But the idea that we don't want to make people who are out there still asking, what about George Floyd? What happened to those people? What happened to the people who did this? That got lost in 48 hours of anarchy. That's what we're going to put again. We saw three television journalists get arrested early this morning on live television. Can you or anyone up there tell me how many looters and arsonists have been arrested over the past two days in know. the Twin Cities? I'm going to use this as an opportunity again, as I said, Tom. I, I am deeply apologetic that this happened how is he deeply you're the governor oh i don't want to break the law you know i just dude you are losing this battle like nobody's business i can't just mark my march my national guard you're like the governor you are the governor uh you know you can step in when your citizens that voted for you right when your citizens that voted for you actually are in pain. And when you yourself say, oh yeah, you know, the people burning down Target and uh, uh, AutoZone weren't worried about George Floyd. No, they weren't. And you know what's funny? 
is that George Floyd was arrested and handcuffed and walked off. And then suddenly he's got no handcuffs because his arms out and floppy in the video by the floor of a police car across the street from where they actually had him handcuffed, where they needed to put their knee on it. It was staged. This was all just go along with it. He totally, totally was fine with it. And I'm, and I'm tweeting out this weird video. Waypo actually put it up, which is so bizarre. I mean, if he was arrested, um, it, you know, why was he on the floor? If he was handcuffed, why did he have no handcuffs, uh, you know, while he was on the floor? These are all questions we should ask, but you know, that's why they want all these videos because they want to find out who did it, who said it, and to eliminate those people that were witnesses. And that's why people should send it to trusted journalists, which means not journalists that are of interest. Find yourself your great little diggers on Facebook. Find yourself your great little diggers on Twitter, whoever that may be, whoever you feel comfortable with and put it out. The hypocrisy is beyond anything we've ever seen and anything we've ever seen. And, and listen to this cry of help and how upset the governor is and has done nothing. I understand that the community would believe if this were targeted. Um, I, as I told uh, Jeff Zucker, the president of CNN, I don't care at this point what the circumstance was, why they got arrested, it is wrong, it is unacceptable, and we needed to correct it. As far as others, who can answer? Yeah, how many? Yes, uh, both St. Paul and State Patrol and others have made arrests on burglary, arson charges. I believe arson charges. I know burglary for sure. Uh, that they have been arrested, there has been stops, there has been, in fact, folks incarcerated. I do not know have they been charged yet or not, because I think most of them were done in the last 24 hours. Yes, it's breaking into the breaking into the, the grocery stores, breaking into the targets, breaking into the the uh, Walgreens. The pharmacies have been uh, just decimated uh, with folks we believe who are seeking oxycotton and other opioids out of the pharmacy stock, and so we've been uh, chasing that around as well as chasing the folks that have been setting fires. So yes, there have been arrests made, uh, and there will be more arrests made. If say again. I will get you a number. I don't have that. I'd ask the, the, both Minneapolis, St. Paul, and my other folks that were part of our, our unified command to get me information by 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock this morning. I have not received it yet, uh, but I'm hopeful to have a sit rep from the last 24 hours, and we'll get that to you as soon as I get it. So I, I just tweeted out, you guys, and I'm going to put it on Facebook, too, a video of George Floyd before he went across the street and was on the floor of a cop car where he voluntarily was arrested. He was handcuffed and he was taken across the street, walked across the street by the cop, you know, the, the Asian American cop that was like ignoring what people were saying and trying to instigate with those that were videotaping. So he goes across the street and then the police car does it a little Yui there to go across the street again to park up. I don't know what they were doing. And suddenly George Floyd, who was in handcuffs, who uh, voluntarily went with them, is pinned to the floor. His arm in another angle of the photo that I have is spread out. So he's not in handcuffs. Three guys covering his whole body. One of them with his hand in his pocket, uh, pushing on his neck. It seems like a very staged murder. This was murder. And then we had um, people posing as paramedics that were not paramedics coming to get him. 
paramedic does not have an ankle piece. Paramedic does not really wear, uh, you know, any body armor. And a paramedic provides health, uh, you know, uh, um, I would say life-saving services right there on the floor. And on top of that, uh, a paramedic would never just hold your head waving around as they lift you to the gurney. Uh, they would actually take the slab, put it down, make sure that you're tied down. I mean, it's protocol. So the question isn't just about who these cops are. It's like, who are these paramedics? They're not paramedics. I mean, this is, this is why we, we, the real diggers need video. I need the license plate of that paramedic vehicle. I need any identifying information or facial information of these fake paramedics. I mean, this is CCTV footage that shows that Floyd voluntarily, no resistance, was actually handcuffed and then, uh, you know, uh, walked across the street and murdered. He was literally murdered. And probably because he was arrested by a guy that he works with, didn't think much of it. I mean, hey, bottom line is Soros made his money count, didn't he? This is a staged murder to spark a race war to cover up for the racist comments that Joe Dementia Biden said. This is it. Timing is everything. So what we need is an EO, you know, because we can't undo what happened. We can hold them accountable, but we can't undo it. But what we can do is not allow this to happen again. And the only way we're going to do this is by designating George Soros an enemy of our state and disallowing any U.S. persons, businesses, or whatever to do business with them. And if that means that Target goes bankrupt, then so be it. We can get a new Target. This is America. We're very resilient. We have, you know, faced uncharted waters before. But in, for the sake of our freedom and for the sake of our livelihoods, these people, these Democrats will stop at nothing. They will imprison you. They will kill you. They will set you on fire. They will do anything to make sure they maintain power because you are not allowed to have it. So on that note, keep that in mind this weekend because June is going to be not so good for us. I mean, we're going to have some wins, but we're going to be pulling our hair out while that's happening. God bless from all of us here, Red State Talk Radio. I'll see you all on Monday, same time, same place. Have a great weekend.